Good evening to all of you again. It's good to be here tonight. Grace and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. High school. You know, for me, it was, uh, seems like a long time ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> um, it's been over 30 years, hard to believe, since I was in high school. Um, I have a son now in high school, a daughter that's beyond high school, so it was a long time ago. Uh, when I think back on my time at high school, uh, I have to admit something. Um, often, I was maybe there physically, but my mind and my heart were on other things, thinking about other, other stuff. And, and let me explain that a little bit more. So that, you know, the, the principal of the school, the, the district administrators, the leaders, um, my teachers, the, the classes, all of it was geared towards and focused on giving me this, this high school education, a big, a big plan to make sure that, that I got educated and was prepared for whatever came after high school, whether that was college or whatever it was, and that I was ready for adulthood. Uh, but often I was not necessarily thinking about this big plan for my high school education. I, uh, like I said, my heart and my mind were on other things. I was often thinking about uh, playing football or um, hanging out with my friends or what was going to be happening that weekend or um, you know, girls, um, <laughs> relationships, whatever. But I was often out to lunch. I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about this great and awesome plan uh, for my education. And I have to also say that as, you know, as time went on in high school and as I got, uh, became a senior and got closer to that time when I would actually walk across stage, it probably just got worse. <laughs> I was thinking even less and less about that. And uh, I... While I was there, those, those years of high school, I, I never really fully understood and appreciated just what was happening to me and for me, this, this great plan uh, for my education. That, uh, that this, this thing that I described to you is kind of a picture of what Jesus and the disciples experienced in his years that he walked the earth. And let me Again, explain that a little bit more. Uh, so, so God the Father and Jesus, God the Son, had this incredible, and that's a huge understatement, this incredible, amazing plan to rescue all of mankind from sin and death and hell. And they orchestrated history. They uh, had promises that were fulfilled they had prophecies that were fulfilled, and it was all coming together in these, in these few years that Jesus walked the earth. And, and as Jesus got closer and closer to the cross, and as he told his disciples even more and more about what was going on, the disciples often were, quite frankly, out to lunch. <laughs> they, uh, they, they weren't thinking about it, like, not like Jesus and the Father were. Um, they run much less important things, and we have examples of that all through the Gospels, um, right? They, we just even heard it tonight, how the, the disciples got in an argument about who was the greatest. Uh, Peter often, and as, again, as we heard tonight in our reading, would, would say things before he really thought it through. He was often more concerned, or at least some of the times, more concerned about his reputation and 
as a leader among the group. And, and uh, you know, they, they had misconceptions about who Jesus was at times. Was he a military leader? Was he going to be a political ruler, political leader? Um, they just, they just weren't thinking about it. All the while, while this huge, amazing plan was coming together by God, and it was getting ready to come to a, a climax in the life of Jesus Christ at the end of his life. They just they didn't really fully understand and appreciate the immensity of what was going on around them. Well, tonight... We enter into this story, into, into this stuff that's going on on Thursday night, the night before Jesus dies on the cross, the climax of this great and incredible plan. And Jesus and his disciples are getting ready for the Passover. And what we're going to see is we're going to watch as Jesus, who is the host for the evening, a very grace-giving host, We're going to watch as he helps his disciples and he helps us come to a newfound appreciation for this great and incredible plan of rescue that God the Father and Jesus had for us. So follow along as I read to you. You heard it in the reading, but I'm going to read it again. And up on the screen, um, I'm just going to read verses 7 to 13 first, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asked, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. So they left, and they found things, just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. Now, one question, maybe something that's in your minds that I kind of want to get out of the way, is you might be wondering, you know, what is this about the the day of unleavened bread and the Passover, and kind of how are they connected? How do they relate to each other? Um... And, to, to, and, and I don't know where you're at when you came tonight. I, you know, we're all probably at different places. Some of you are like, yeah, I got that. I understand what they're talking about. Some of you might be like, I don't have any clue what they're talking about there. Dan explained it a little bit before the reading, but let me explain it a little bit more because it's, it is very important as we go forward in the text, understanding um, what Jesus is trying to show us. So to do that, we have to really go back about 1,500 years before this night the time of Moses. And at that time in, in, God, in the history of God's people, the Jews, they were slaves to the Egyptian people and to the Egyptian king who was called Pharaoh. God saw their plight. He saw their suffering. And so he called Moses to, to go and speak to Pharaoh and to deliver his people, to free his people from the slavery that they were experiencing under the Egyptians. And uh, to help Moses, he sent ten plagues, right? And uh, maybe that's the thing we all are aware of, maybe, or seen in the movies or whatever. But God sent ten plagues, miraculous events, to, intended to make the Pharaoh change his hardened heart and let God's people go. But, but they didn't work. None of them worked. Or Pharaoh, at least, he kept hardening his heart, wouldn't listen to it until the last one, 
The last one, which was the death of the, of the firstborn of every household. But God told Moses, for the Jews, for the Israelites, he said, I want you to, for every family, I want you to take a lamb and I want you to, to kill it, sacrifice it, and take the blood and wipe, wipe it on the door frames and the door posts of your, of your house so that when the angel of death comes, it will, he will pass over your house that has the blood from the lamb. And, uh, and so they did that. And all of the Egyptian firstborns died, including Pharaoh's firstborn, but all the Jewish babies were alive. And so Pharaoh, that, that did it. He, he said, yep, get out of here. I've had enough of this. His own son is lying there dead. He, he let him go. Okay. And then they, they had to leave in a hurry. And so God had him bring with them bread that didn't have any leaven in it or any yeast in it. And because they were going to be on the run and on the go, and they didn't want it to spoil, so they took unleavened bread with them because they, they left in haste. So that all leads up to this. After that, God said, he gave them commandments and festivals, and one of the festivals he gave them was the festival of the Passover. It was a meal where they would kill, sacrifice a lamb, eat a lamb and some other foods and stuff, and that commemorated... That, that Passover, the, the passing over of the angel of death. And God said, celebrate that every year from now on. So that, and, they, and they would tell the story at the meal so that everybody would know and they could reflect on and celebrate this great deliverance that God gave them. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread was the seven days that followed the Passover where they would eat unleavened bread, remembering when they had to leave Egypt. Well... In New Testament times, those terms were used interchangeably. So that's why you hear Luke say, the day of unleavened bread, the first day of the feast festival of unleavened bread, which is also the Passover. Maybe a little confusing. Hopefully it helped a little bit, but it will help again as we go along. Um, but if you notice, Jesus is already a very grace-giving host in these verses, right? He makes sure that they have a room to celebrate the Passover, this very important event where they remember and celebrate God's deliverance. Jesus wanted to make sure they had a room to do that in. And that was no small task at this time because thousands of Jews were required, commanded by God, to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. And historians say that Jerusalem would go from a city of about 30, 50,000 people maybe, to possibly 150, 200,000 people. So, and they're all looking for a room to celebrate the Passover in. So for Jesus to secure a room for them was a big thing, very much an act of grace. And we don't know, by the way, whether it was a, a miracle that he knew and by his omniscience and power made sure that this guy, right, he got the room ready for him, or he just, he maybe planned it ahead of time. But either way, he makes sure they have a room to celebrate the Passover. And he also made sure that it was all prepared and all ready to go. He told Peter and John, hey, go make preparations. And they did. They followed Jesus' command and, and made preparations. Let's go on in our reading. So starting at verse 14. When the hour came, so when the time came to, to have the meal, the, the lamb has already been sacrificed, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again 
until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. So Jesus had celebrated the Passover for, for many years, um, probably since the time he was about 12. And he's in his early 30s, so about 20 years Jesus had celebrated the Passover. And he maybe celebrated it with the disciples a couple times in his earthly minute, during his earthly ministry. And the disciples had celebrated as well. But there's something different about this Passover. Look at again at verse 15, what Jesus says to them. He says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So what was it that was different? What was so special about this night? What was so different about this Passover than all the other Passovers? Well, there's two major, major things, parts of God's plan that are coming together at this moment, at this night as Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his people, the first, with his disciples. The first one is this, is that the, the Passover, this celebration that's been going on for 1,500 years, is coming to fulfillment. So all of the lambs that were, that were um, used in each of the Passovers, 1,500 years worth, all of them pointed ahead to Jesus, the true Passover lamb. Of God, right? John said it. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Every sacrifice of those lambs pointed ahead to the great sacrifice that Jesus would make for all people, for all time. The blood that the that they used in the original Passover, put on the door frames and the doorposts, pointed ahead was just a picture of the blood that Jesus would pour out on the beams and the posts of the cross. And the Passover, the the whole Passover, again, celebrated for, I mean, think about that, 1,500 years, all led up to this point. And this Passover, the true Passover, not so that the angel of death would just pass over the Jews' homes so the firstborn would be saved, but so that the angel of death would pass over all believers who trust in Jesus Christ so that death would merely be a doorway to eternal life. All of this was, was coming to fulfillment, and, that's, and Jesus knew it, and he was proclaiming it. So this was a very, very special Passover. The other thing that was happening, so I said there's two, right? There's this major theme, this major promise, and part of God's plan coming. The other one is that the old covenant was being replaced with the new covenant. Now, what is that? Okay. What is this old covenant, new covenant stuff? The old covenant, again, go back 1,500 years to Moses. God instituted laws and commands for the people. The old covenant, God said, if you obey my commands, if you follow what I ask you to do, I will be your God. I will bless you and I will protect you and I will watch over you. It was a two-sided covenant. In other words, two parties involved, conditional on both of them acting within the covenant. 
right? God said, if you do this, I'll be this for you. Two-sided covenant. And the Jews, for the most part, had celebrated that or had followed that covenant, I should say, for, again, 1,500 years for the most part they followed it. But in that time, there was this promise of a new covenant that was to come. And it was a different covenant. It was a covenant not based on laws and following or disobeying or not or obeying the laws, but it was based on God's forgiveness and his love and his grace. It was not a two-sided covenant. It was a one-sided covenant, not dependent on what man does, only dependent on God and his mercy and his grace. Not a conditional covenant, an unconditional covenant of grace. So when Jesus holds up the cup and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood, it was happening. This was the moment, the moment that many had, they had heard about the new covenant, many were waiting for when Jesus says, this is it. This is when the new covenant is going to be established. And the next day, he would shed his blood on the cross and usher in the new covenant. So these two major themes of God that were threaded all through Scripture, promise about them, all of them, or both of them, converging together at this moment, on this night. So yes, God eagerly, eagerly desired that this moment would happen. From eternity, he'd been waiting patiently. Jesus, too, for this moment to come when these two major parts of God's rescue for his people would come together. In this moment. And that's why Jesus says, I eagerly desire to eat this Passover with you, to share in this supper, because this was the moment when it was all coming down. But that wasn't all. (laughs) Jesus also institutes a new meal. Bread, wine, his body, and his blood, his true body, and his true blood. Why? Because this was such an incredible moment, this was such an incredible thing that was happening that Jesus wanted them to never, never forget it. To always remember this tremendous moment of of God orchestrating history and and orchestrating prophecies and fulfillment all to come to this moment to display to his disciples and to us and to the world his amazing, incredible love. And we get to celebrate it as often as we want to remember this night and this moment. So, I mean, just think about how incredible that is. And think about how incredible that must have been for the disciples to be in that moment. And and whenever it dawned on them, whether it was in that moment, probably later, that they put it all together and got, oh, yes. That's the moment, the new covenant. Yes, the Passover, it's being fulfilled. He's the sacrificial lamb. And we get a supper to celebrate it for, forever. It must have, they must have just been, whew, wow, God, you are awesome. What a gracious, incredible God we have. And God wants us to have that awe about it as well. So I have to ask you, what is it that's threatening 
your appreciation of, of this tonight. Because here we are on a, another, another year, another Ash Wednesday. We're, we're kicking off the season of Lent. And every single one of us came into this room tonight probably with other things on our mind. Kids' schedules, um, projects, deadlines at work, um, finances, things going well or not so well. Um, Maybe it was the, the discussion or the argument we had yesterday or last week with our spouse. Maybe it was the TV show last night. Maybe it's a Facebook post that you read today and you're thinking about what it said and how you're responding. we got all these things that fill our hearts and our minds, but not the big thing. Not the big thing that God wants us to meditate on and to just, just sit back and, and let all that other stuff, just throw it all aside. God wants us to just sit quietly and just take all of this in. Just, just let the reality of this incredible moment sink in. Just let it sink in. Jesus, on the night before he died on the cross, knowing what was coming, very keenly aware of the terrible suffering and death both physically and spiritually, that he was going to experience. He knew it all was coming. And when all of us would have been thinking about ourselves, hours away from that, not Jesus. He thought of you. And Jesus fulfilled the Passover for you. And Jesus ushered in a new covenant of God's grace and mercy and forgiveness, totally unconditional for you. And God gave you a meal. Jesus gave you a meal where we get to partake of his body and his blood as often as we want. so that we would never forget. It's like a, that meal, it's like a, it's like a, a river of God's grace that just keeps flowing and flowing. <clears throat> and at the end of all of it, Jesus says that he's going to come again. That's what he meant when he said, I'll not eat of it again until it reaches its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. That's going to be that moment when Jesus comes again and we get to sit again like the disciples did at a banquet feast with Jesus and get to celebrate forever. Wow. You know, as I look back, now, 30 years plus away from my high school years, um, I have to admit that I've, I've learned to 
understand and appreciate that education a lot more. I realize just how how many teachers and administrators and classes, how it all came together for me. And it's, and it's helped make me the adult and the, the person that I am today. Luke, who wrote these passages for us tonight, he was never there at this meal. He found out about it later. He found out of, about it from the disciples who, who were there, who got to see it with their eyes and, and hear it with their ears and taste it with their mouths. And as he researched it and learned more about it, and as God inspired him to write the words that we have here tonight, I know that he learned to understand and appreciate this incredible event more and more. And each time we get to come and hear God's inspired word like we did tonight, God also increases our understanding and our appreciation of this incredible, incredible plan that God brought together for you and for me. And we, we also grow in our understanding and appreciation of just how much God loves us, that he would go to those lengths over that great amount of time to make this happen for us. Wow. What a grace-giving host Jesus is. And what a gracious Savior he is. And what an awesome, great God we have. Amen.